Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I think I am. B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, sharing... Met some people over the my family Christmas down in Iowa. Podcast listeners, I didn't really meet them. There are people that I've, I've known. But anyways, lots of people talking about the podcast. Um, so very much appreciate that. Hopefully some of you people have talked to your own family members about the podcast as well. Or if you see them yet over the holidays, by all means, bring it up. It's a great holiday discussion. Yeah. You know, sitting around opening presents. Hey, are you a podcast listener? How about checking out the Eyes on Big podcast? It's better than bringing up politics. Yeah, absolutely. sure to not lead to an argument unless there's a filthy SEC fan in your fan <laughs> in your family true. somehow. <laughs> Probably the lowest part of the family tree, one would think. Um, but anyways, we hope you all had a great Christmas um, as we head into the New Year's. You got some housekeeping items for us here. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah, we got a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, this one is really disappointing. I'm going to start off with, with some bad news, I guess. Minnesota will host Iowa on Friday night, September 18th, 2020, for the pig. Playing for the pig on a Friday night. Isn't that awful? It's awful. We're, this isn't the Mountain West, brother. Is is anybody in favor of this? Not one person that I have talked to, texted, or read on Twitter. I've got to think it's, a, it's a, a slap in the face for Minnesota at home because it's a Friday night, so it's harder for them to get recruits in for a home game. Sure. Uh, Iowa plays Iowa State that previous week, so they have a rival game versus Iowa State and then a short wow. trip up I-35 to play another rival. And it's so early in the year, too. Too early for right. a, for a big rival like that, right? Boy, I, I just don't understand. I, I've got to think that there's a chance this gets changed, right? You think that's you think that's possible? I, it, everyone's outraged. I tell you what, you know it. How must, did they let this even happen? You know it must be uh, an ugly, horrible decision when the coaching uh, staffs under Iowa and PJ Fleck are probably on the same page yeah. or something. <laughs> For the first time ever, I'm yeah. sure. All right, moving on. Indiana offensive coordinator. More bad news, I suppose, here. Kalen DeBoer will take the head coach position at Fresno State, but he will coach in the Gator Bowl. So that's cool that he is coaching uh, the Indiana offense one more time. We uh, thought about, as in Big Kurt and I, thought about bringing up the fact that it was awesome that Kalen DeBoer was still alive as Indiana's offensive coordinator. We decided not to say it to Jinx. Didn't work. No, they, it didn't work. The Hoosiers still lost their celebrated offensive coordinator. Isn't that fair I, to say? I mean, I, I haven't met a Hoosier fan that hasn't loved Kalen. Moore. I think it's pretty fair. I mean, they went from so bad to so good. It, 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 just a shame that he was only there for one year. They only got to enjoy that for one year. But. And that's the life of a program somewhere around yeah. the Hoosiers level. You I know. get success like that, boom, stolen away. But, yeah, I mean, at the same time, you got to be kind of – happy as a Hoosier fan because it means you're doing something right. And then it's, it's easier to hire the next guy. The next guy is going to come in and see that as a more attractive job. Um, So we're going to just going to mention this briefly. The great Hayden Fry has passed away at 90 years old. We're going to leave a little special segment for the end of the podcast here. We're going to go over all the games first, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Hayden. So if you want to stick around after the games and listen to that, please do. Perfect. Thank That's you. all we got for housekeeping. 
All right. Speaking of the games, we got nine of them, or as they really should be called, the bowl games. Um, quick little aside. I think it's fair to say that somewhere around, I don't know, five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, the bowl record of any respective conference was a big deal. Okay. Is it as big a deal now as it used to be? I I would say it's a bigger deal now. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's Because not... it, 10 years ago, the whole conference versus conference thing wasn't as it wasn't in that the was forefront. That was still in the BCS era, though. Okay. That's when, that's when the conference versus conference stuff really started heating up. It did, but I, I would say about 10 years ago is when it got really bad. Don't you think? Okay, because that's interesting. What Where I'm getting at with this is in 2008. Okay. okay um, not that, the, you know, the ESPN-SEC merger had already taken place at that point. We had already, you know, it was already starting to rear its ugly head. In that capacity, um, in 2008, the Big Ten had an awful bowl record. I believe it was one in seven, okay. with the only win being Iowa over South Carolina. That's why I remember okay. it. Boy, I tell you what, the bowl record of the Big Ten was mentioned, brought up, discussed ad nauseum on you know college sports talk radio. Yeah, sure. Um, Urban came into the league. Things have definitely progressed up across yeah. the board. I think that's fair to say. The Big Ten's bull record has been very good, sometimes yeah. excellent. Suddenly, the bull okay, so record. You're... Suddenly, now the Bulls. Yeah, it's just exhibition. They don't seem okay. to. I see where you're going with okay. that. Right. So, from the ESPN crowd, that maybe they kind of eh, hush hush. It's not that big of a deal. But I don't know. The the every year that goes by. This whole conference versus conference thing just seems to get worse to me. So I think truly it means more now to people. Maybe they don't admit it, but it means more now than it ever has. Interesting. So not to try to take the contrarian route, it's always meant a lot to me. Any non-conference or bowl season has meant a ton to me. Yeah, I can remember going back being a kid and just always pulling for the Big Ten, whether it be in the bowls, whether it be in like the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I can remember Minnesota making a deep run one year, and I was just pumped because it was a Big Ten team, you know? Another way of saying it is um, the Eyes on Big podcast was birthed from the Big Ten's run in the 2014 playoffs. Oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. No, not Big Ten. C- it's obviously of. Ohio State's run, but right. we, Kurt and I had just gotten to know each other not long before that. Yeah, that's true figured out that we were one of the few college football fans in the state of Minnesota, in this case, even downtown Minneapolis. And I think it was just us watching the game. Right? It was just me yeah. and you watching yeah. Ohio State. I remember us Alabama. embracing <laughs> we did. when Ohio State won. So um, long story short, the point I'm I'm getting to is it just seems like when when the Big Ten has a nice run, nobody pays attention. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. And the other side of it is, well, you know, did that SEC team want to play in the bowl? Were they motivated? To, yeah, you know, Georgia gets just gets boat race slash. Oh, nobody, you know, nobody cared. That. So I'll be talking out of both sides of my mouth when it comes to that because one of the big themes here is going to be who wants to play. And I I I don't deny. That that's a real thing. But it's just they always, it's always the excuse when, when they lose. The other side of it, too, um, is I, I, we've had actually the bowl games thus far. I think we've had eight of them. <laughs> They've been, by and large, very good, other than Washington just 
just stomping Boise State, which I love to see, by the way. Well, the chips got stomped, too. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. But uh, five or six bowl games thus far have been actually really entertaining. When you see these guys celebrating these bowl wins, these kids, they want to be there. You know, like every single one, no. But to also go the other side to say nobody wants it. A lot of these players are very excited sure. to play in these bowls. Yeah, not not everyone is USC that Lane Kiffin year when they just strolled into to the Sun Bowl and barely even showed up right. and got their asses handed to them. So, all right, so there are nine Big Ten teams playing in bowl games. These games start on Friday, December 27th and may conclude on Thursday, January 2nd. Perhaps another game after that we will see. So, First up is Friday, December 27th. There are two games that day. The first Big Ten team to play is the Pinstripe Bowl. Michigan State versus Wake Forest. This is a 2.20 p.m. game on ESPN. The line is Sparty by three and a half over under 49.5. My first thought here is Pinstripe Bowl outdoors in the cold you got to go sparty here right and the under the, so right now that's vegas, pretty high. so, so yeah. vegas is saying 27 to 23 right. sparty do we feel like sparty's going to put up no. 27 points no and do we feel that the claw fence is going to be that effective out in the cold the claw fence looked a lot better at times this year um and then they lost they've lost 3 of their last 4 games mm. coming into this bowl game so Things looked a lot better. Uh, quarterback Jamie Newman for Wake Forest. Dual threat quarterback. Um, so that is something to keep your eye sure. on. Um, I wouldn't exactly call this. This isn't your 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 typical Sparty defense this year. They, they looked leaky. More they showed often. they showed some weaknesses. But uh, Kenny Willickus and Raekwon Williams are both going to play in this game. So that's cool. There was talk about that maybe not being the case, but it looks like it will. But Good offense versus good defense here, right? And then kind of a bad offense versus a bad defense. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Another thing that kind of caught my eye, too, a 6-6 six and six Michigan State team that didn't wow this year. Nope. Going against an 8-4 and four Wake Forest team, is that a sign of respect for the Big Ten and a slap in the face to the ACC, seeing as how Sparty is favored by three and a half points. I mean, I guess, I don't know if I would call it a slap in the face. Everyone kind of accepts that the ACC is a one-team league, don't they? Yeah. I think even the ACC accepts that. All right. So it is kind of a slap in the face to a certain degree. Maybe. But how... I, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in where Michigan State is as a program right now. It just the the D'Antonio thing, I feel like the wheels are falling off the wagon and he's pounding his fist. Everything's great. Everything's going to be awesome. I don't believe it. I just don't see him going in the right direction. Do not disagree with that, but could that lead to a little bit of, of defiance and of chip that on it, the shoulderiness that plays into this bowl? It could. I just can't figure out who wants to be there more. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think playing in the cold. And I don't know, you know, it's still a little bit ways out to see what the forecast. If you can wind up getting a 50-degree a day playing in New York, that's a godsend. Well, you know, maybe th- that's a good point. Maybe they will get a 50-degree day. Because it's good. It's really mild weather right now in the it Midwest. I don't is. know how, what it's going to be like on the East Coast. But what, okay, let's go back to what if it is bad weather. Do you think that college players have a lot tougher time playing in weather than, than the pros? No. No? No, I don't. Okay. Just wondering what your take was on that. 
Wow. No, I, I guess I've never really put deep thought into it, too. I feel like the pros, they, like, they don't care what, what the temperature's like. What you the, think? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. kind of how, how I was always felt about it, but you see it. <sighs> seems like it affects college players more. Well, here's what I think of getting affected when it comes to cold weather is this turf in this baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa played in this bowl game three years ago now. It was a disgrace. I mean, it, they literally – it was like, could they just shut this game down at halftime? This is horrible. It was essentially that – was it 1934 Bears versus Giants NFL championship right. game right. when the the, uh, the Giants went to Manhattan College or something and got a bunch of tennis shoes and they put tennis shoes on at halftime and the Bears are skating around in their cleats. That's basically what that was. It was horrible. It was a replay of the 1934 NFL championship game. Except it happened in modern times. Correct. That should not But didn't happen, they but... – I, I think they updated the field after that, didn't they? I hope so. I mean, at least put I some – did. It's the Yankees, George. Yeah, put New some heating York. coils underneath the. What is what's uh? What Wait, is, George Steinbrenner's dead, right? Steinbrenner's dead. Yeah. yeah. But what does what does Jerry say to Costanza? Ruth, Mantle, Maze, or uh, Costanza? <laughs> Ruth Mantle, Gehrig, Costanza. Is that who was? I, I don't. Remember, I can't remember yeah. either. Costanza. Um, I think what I like the most in this is the under forty nine point five. I don't know, man. Yeah. So, so I mean, the claw fence—they're—they're they're going to want to sling the rock. It's going to lengthen the game. I think Michigan State is going to be more of a passing team here. It could. I, I think I may. I'm going to go over, baby. Taking Sparty yeah. the over. Okay. I'm, I'm, so I don't know what if I'm taking Sparty not. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm, I'm on gonna the take fence the, here. I'm going to take the points. It's only three and a half, but just give me three and a hook. Nothing on either one of these teams. Exudes confidence to me. Mm-mm. I don't know how anybody know. can look look at this game and feel confident. So in that case, you just take the points. So I'm taking the three and a half points in the under. Hmm. I'm going to go oppo. I'm going wake in the over. All right. That brings us to our second game of the day. The Holiday Bowl. Number 16, Iowa playing number 22, USC. 7 o'clock p.m. game on FS1. Line is Hawks by two over under. 52.5. So here Vegas is saying somewhere around 27 to 24 mm-hmm. Iowa. Well, who wants to be here more? I think Iowa wants to be here more. I don't think there's any doubt yeah. about that. I mean, I'll so, say this much. The Iowa fans want to be here more than the USC. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's strange fan base. The USC fan base, isn't it? So my quick, because I don't know how often we all get a chance to talk to about USC fans, right? On a Big Ten football specific not, not podcast. Um, of course, uh, my... I mean, are they going to show up? No. Right down the street? They will not. No, I don't think they will. I, I, I will say this much. I think the stadium would be roughly half and half, which is embarrassing when you consider how far okay. most Iowans are going to have to come to... to That's probably fair, more. yeah. I was, I think, almost gotten through their allotment of tickets. Okay. Um, but back to my uh, my USC experiences. Um, I mean, I've been to Southern Cali- California several times. Can never find a USC fan. No, there. God, no. Um, was the, of course, 2003 Orange Bowl after the 2002 season. Um, I remember it. Brad Banks, Iowa, played uh, against uh, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback USC, um, uh, Carson Palmer. Um, and... Uh, Iowa fans got there early, <laughs> like uh-huh. four or five days. Like, I think I got there three days early, and, and there was already Hawkeye fans down there for two sure. days at right. that point. Um, finally, finally, the day before the game, the evening before the game, night before the game, USC fans show up. Okay. And, I f- and we were talking all week long, you know, like, 
where are they? USC fans, you know, like, and then finally I see a really well put together couple USC older, a little bit older. Okay. And I walk out to him. I was young man, very young man at the time, but not, I wasn't shockingly hammered right at this moment. I just said, Hey, I just got to ask like, where you guys been? And I remember he looked at me, literally took a drink and goes, we live in Southern California. We don't need to come to Florida for to to get warm weather and mm. sightseeing. Okay. It was like, get away from me, you disgusting slob of a Midwesterner. And which bowl was it? Orange bowl. The orange bowl. Okay. Yeah. So what was your take overall? Like, so that's one in- interaction, but like what about during the game? Um, just didn't I was I had awesome seats. I was basically down on the field forty yard line for that game. I, mean, I just, just I was just surrounded by Iowa fans. Okay. There just wasn't that many USC fans. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird to have that much success. I know they, they're just notorious for not traveling. That was the beginning of the Pete Carroll era. They right. had just gotten good that year. Right, so they didn't have the Hollywood star power behind them yet that started showing up to the games. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it is a strange I think base. most people have the wine and cheese you know, thought process when they think of USC fans. Now, ironically, I love wine and cheese. Like, <laughs> I don't want to come down to too much, but you know what I'm getting at here. Right. Doesn't usually fit in with the uh, college football vernacular. Right, so let's get to the game here. Um, I'm really excited to see this passing game and, and versus Iowa's defense, the USC passing game versus Iowa's D. That's what I'm looking forward to. Somewhat quietly, quarterback Keaton Slovis oh, had a huge year. He only played nine games. And he still threw for over 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns to nine picks. As he got hot, Michael Pittman Jr., who oh. was already a stud, absolutely exploded. They got two other wide receivers that um, are fantastic, yeah. too. This is... Quietly, this was really salty team by the end of the year. It was, and just offensively, that the passing game. I only watched this team play one time. It was against Utah, and I was just in awe at how good their wide receivers are. And Slovis was not even playing that game. That right. was uh, Fink was throwing those lollipops down the field, and they were just going up and getting the ball every time. I think time. you're talking about the Utah game that you watched. Utah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I and it, it was. Odd. I mean, the uh, the defensive approach by Utah that day was off. I mean, just yeah. Utah was off in general that game. Yeah, they were. Um, up front, I think, is where things can slide back towards Iowa. Um, uh, Utah is a good example. I mean, that's not sure. much you know different right, right. there. Um, they controlled the ball, the the game by and large at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It was just correct. It was on the perimeter right. where they just could not keep up. Could we see that again? Is it basically a, a replay of that? I think it could be, ball? yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, quarterback Nate Stanley has a chance to finish his career 3-0 and in bowl games. Um, excited to see a uh, hopefully get healthy again Brandon Smith to team up with the other wide receivers and then running back Tyler Goodson, who now is the 100% you know percent unquestioned uh, yep. uh, starting running back of this game. I. I do know that the Iowa team, once they knew that the uh, conference championship hopes were dashed, getting to 10 wins on the year was a big deal to them. They're sitting at mm-hmm. nine and three. This would obviously get them to 10. So I definitely think you're going to get a dialed in and ready to play Iowa team. Um, one little thing to add that uh, if you're watching this game as a non-Iowa fan, I think you will know this because you are a, a fantastic Big Ten historian, but 
what was something that Hayden Fry was known for with his tight ends while at Iowa? Oh, they would stand up at the line of scrimmage. I always that always just jumped out to me. The stand up tight it's the end only formation. Time I've ever seen that? Nobody's ever seen it. The whole thought process was the tight end was up at the line of scrimmage. And could see the defense better. Yeah. The problem was is there's almost for sure gonna be a false step when you come out of a two. Yeah, exactly. So, so as soon as Coach Ferris got there, he's like, Yeah, we're done with the stand up tight <laughs> okay. end. However, as a sign of respect and you know, memorance of mm-hmm. Hayden Fry, we are hoping that we come out in the that cool. Iowa comes out in the formation with double t- I guess stand up tight end. The thing that I was one, one time. I mean it's it'd be awesome. I would right. love to see that. Yep. But uh, I guess my question about having him in that stance is why not have a split stance instead of both, you know, both uh, feet under your, your shoulders. We'll get, we'll get into it at the end of the podcast, but it's all about selling the sizzle and not the steak. I don't know, man. I mean, like I could could see him in a wide receiver stance to, you know, a little bit. No, like, yeah, it's strange. But um, if, if anyone's curious at, at SC's low point output total for the season, because that's what Iowa's good at. We've talked about that several times, that they have held, what, seven teams yeah, to their, yeah. their season low. They only scored 14 points against Washington, so, so that's going to... So 13 or less would be the goal for... Yes, yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm going to make a call. If USC only scores 13 points, Iowa's winning this game and probably, Absolutely. And probably covered the two. I just don't see that happening. Okay, what do you think's going on here? Okay, I, just, I do think Iowa wants to be there a lot more than USC. I think I give the nod on coaching to Iowa... And Iowa usually plays really well in bowl games. I, I like Iowa here, minus the two points. I'm just I'm struggling on that that point total there, and I think I'm gonna think I'm gonna lean to the under. Okay, yeah, um, I pretty much have the same take as you. I would I would just say if this is an over, this is a USC cover to me where. They just get aggressive, chuck the ball down the field, and Iowa's pass rush and DBs just don't have an uh, an answer for it because that mm-hmm. makes me nervous. I don't know if Iowa's really gone against a passing attack like this this year. I don't think so. I mean, it, no. It's tough to come up with one in the Big no. Ten, correct? Yes. Um, so, yeah, the closest would probably be Minnesota would be the closest yeah, passing attack. That's probably fair. Uh, yep. Which they did well against uh, Minnesota. Not great, but pr- pretty darn good. In the end, I trust the Iowa defense will be dialed in, and the the running game is going to come out attacking. I just I think there's enough there for the for the Iowa to get the win, but I too am going to take the under fifty two point five. Moving on to the next day, Saturday, December twenty eighth, we have got the Cotton Bowl, number ten, Penn State. Versus number 17, Memphis. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN. Uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions favored by six and a half over under 43. So what we got here is a uh, over under is 43. Am I off on that? I, I don't think that's right. Make, make some points here. Uh, nope. Six, over under just a bit off. Yeah. Over under 60.5. Okay. Sorry. Um. So. Who 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 cares more about this game, Memphis or Penn State? You got to think Memphis cares a little more about this game, right? Yeah, I think there was a general thought process that Penn State would have rather have gone to the Rose Bowl. Um, Penn State fans pretty much up in arms that they got the Cotton Bowl instead of the Rose. I actually, I could have seen it both ways. Don't get me wrong, but I also understood Wisconsin had the the division championship 
you know, and then I do think how well they played against Ohio State in the conference championship sure. helped them out. The other thing, too. I don't have a problem with Wisconsin being on the No, list. neither do I. The other thing, and I'm glad they did it this way. The other thing, too, Penn State, your year is coming next year. Okay. Yeah. I, and also, they just were there more recently. So That's true. I, I feel like you, you got to mix that in, right. whether you like it or not. So, but yeah, back to what you said before. I, I, not that Penn State, quote unquote, doesn't want to be there. I just, I just think Memphis wants to be there more. And you've got the group of five not only getting to knock off a Power Five team, knocking off a Blue Blood Power Five yeah. team. I mean, this is a helmet game, you know, for Memphis play, playing against them. I guess there. if I'm a Penn State fan, the only thing I'm upset about is you draw the P5 team. Nobody wants to play the P or the, the G5 team. Yeah, because it's a it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah, it's a lose-lose. Yeah. You're, um, you're supposed to beat them. If, if you lose, then you're... With that being said, the over-under 60.5, Nittany um, Lions favored by called a touchdown, so they're basically saying 34-27 to 27, Nittany Boy, Lions. Do you trust Penn State to score that much? I really don't. Well, <sighs> Memphis doesn't have a good defense, so yeah, I kind of do. Yeah, Once I heard gives that you know, Pat Fryermuth was coming back, K.J. Hamler's playing in the bowl, you know, they're they're going to have the full complement on their offense. Yeah, I, I I can see that many. They points give up twenty four points a game, and they give up three hundred seventy two yards a game. So it's not, not awful terrible for a group just, of five, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not going against as good competition. But what do they do well? They put up points. I right. mean, they score forty and a half a game and almost five hundred yards a game. They love slinging the rock. So it's really kind of a it, it's a you know the style makes the bo- boxing match. We kind of got that going on here. These are two completely different styles as far as teams. Well, so. Penn State, they were kind of vulnerable against the pass this year. Yep. So I think Memphis can score on them. Okay. I'm, um, just, I'm just curious how much. Yeah, I mean, quarterback uh, scored 34 points. Right. Um, uh, took down uh, Ole Miss this year. Uh, Memphis did. That was a low-scoring contest. Okay. And then they played, I guess, what would be almost a Power 5 team or close to it in Temple. That's where their only loss was this year. They beat Cincinnati Twice in the last two weeks of the season to get the uh, conference championship. Brady White, 33 touchdowns, 300 or 3,500 yards passing. They got a fresh freshman running back. Check this name out for a running back. Kenneth Gainwell. <laughs> that is such a great name. Is that a, I mean, uh, that's, that's up there with Chuck Long for a quarterback yeah, name, right? I mean, yeah. Gainwell. That's fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. mean, what, what could be a, a better like what like what, what would a kicker's name be? Kickwell. Yeah, I guess Kickwell. Yeah, something yeah. like that. There yeah. was a Treadwell, a David Treadwell. Treadwell, decent. Not quite close. So, yeah, no. no so, so what are you saying here? You're kind of sounding like... Uh... Well, it's dropped to six and a half points, which now has me leaning towards Penn State. When it was at seven, I kind of liked Memphis, but I think I'm going... Big half point for you there. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> okay, all right. But I'm on, I think I'm going Penn State because it's down to six and a half. Yeah, I think one thing, I don't know if this will weigh in too much, but Penn State can't be happy with how they looked last year in the bowl game versus Kentucky. I think they want to get maybe that bowl game taste out of their mouth. They, they finished flat at the end of the year uh but get that defense onto the field impose your will you're a big time big 10 yeah. team so i'm going to take penn state to cover uh the six and a half i think this is going to wind up going under i like the under the 60.5 mostly because i think it's going to look more like a penn state game yeah. than it's going to look like a memphis game. we should also point out mike norvell will not be coaching memphis should so play that, into it yeah that's yeah. going to play into it big time 
Um, so anyways, yeah, that game will be on Saturday, December 28th. That will be your appetizer bowl game that day because the college football playoffs games will be after that, which we will get to that one little bit. Next up, we've got Monday, December 30th, the Red Box Bowl. Yes. The Illinois Fighting Illini versus the Cal Golden Bears. Is it Golden Bears? Is that what it is? Yeah, Golden Bears. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, 3 o'clock p.m. game. This is on Fox. The Bears are favored by six over under 43.5. So basically, Vegas is saying this will be a 24 to 17 Cal victory. That, that sounds about right to me. You got this. This is a By really. Way, why? Why is it just Cal? Why? Why do they it, say Cal instead of like California? Like you, you, you don't hardly ever hear people just say out all oh, California. It just gets Cal. Why I, I don't know, but I kind of like it. I do too. I've always liked it. I've always liked the the script Cal on the helmet Very too. Very much like the script Cal. Yeah. I've so I've not only have I been to a Red Box Bowl, I've also been to a game at Cal. Really? I saw Arizona State play at Cal. Gosh, what year would that have been? Like 2007? Yeah. Um, Deshaun Jackson oh, wow. was on. Okay. So what year would that have been? Maybe yeah. even earlier, 2005 Still, maybe. Well, yeah, okay. Nate Longshore was the QB. Was there a vibe in the stadium at all, or was it just kind of? You know, okay, so I was actually kind of impressed. It was a pretty early game, early season game, you know? Um, it wasn't full by any means, but I was a little bit impressed by the Cal fans. Okay. Like, they were all excited, like singing their the fight song on the way to the to the stadium. Got in the stadium. It's it a fun game, entertaining. Nice. It typical Pac-12. They were throwing the ball all over the place. Deshaun Jackson returned a punt for a touchdown. It was a good game. Sweet and um, beautiful view from the stadium too. Okay, um, and I'm just going to go ahead and admit my ignorance. The Red Box Bowl is this played where the 49ers play? Okay, so. Yes, it is played Santa Clara where the 49ers play. Okay. But but at Levi he, Stadium? Is it still Levi Stadium? I don't know what it's called. Okay. I think that's right. But it was in the Giants Stadium before. Really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, if cuz I think this is the the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl, I think became the Red Box Bowl, I believe. Okay. So I saw BYU play Washington in that one. So Cal 7 and 5, Illinois 6 and 6. I think, you know, is it this is a really good matchup. I mean, I was just going to say, you know, six weeks ago when it was still up in the air, if Illinois was going to make a bowl, then you knew they were going to make a bowl. Then you wondered what bowl it would be and what the matchup would be. All of those hurdles were good hurdles that Illinois got. They got to be bowl eligible. They didn't have to go to Detroit. They didn't have to go to the to pinstripe bowl personally. Oh man. That... So they wind up in the red box bowl, which at the time was about, I think the best you could have hoped for. I think so. And then who you get as a, as an opponent, same. I mean, this is, is about as good as you could hope. Okay, so I, these teams match up very well. Very well. Two pretty good defenses with two pretty bad offenses. Yep. Um, I think the I think what has to happen here, first of all, Brandon Peters sounds like he will play. He's been concussed. Um, I'm just wondering how good he can play after, I think it was his third concussion this year. Um, and A lot of time to get the cobwebs out. Yeah, that's true. But I think th- this is the key to the game. I think Brandon Peters... They they have got a great rundy Cal does so I think to win this game Brandon Peters has to have a big game can he do that I'm not sure especially accuracy's kind of always been his issue plus his he's concussed I don't know how how much is his brain working right now 
Um, the other thing that I don't like, so so Cal kind of got off to a hot start. They beat Washington at the beginning of the year. Then they just absolutely fell asleep mm. in the middle of the season, but then got hot again, winning three of their last four. Uh, quarterback Chase Garbers, 10 touchdowns is all on the year, but maybe even worse is that they he only has three interceptions on the year. They are playing a very much a ball control, play sure. good defense under Justin Wilcox, uh, decent running back and Christian Brown. Again, this is, it, it's not a, it's not an offense that's going to pop off the screen. Well, yeah, I mean, they're still only running for 132 yards a game. Right. So it's not like they're doing great on the ground either. And what I'm getting at with the lack of, of, you know, fumbles and interceptions, just turnovers in general, that's still to me what fuels this Illinois team. Sure. So can Illinois beat Cal straight up yeah. if, if, a good there's, if there's zero turnovers in the game? That's a good point. And yeah. another thing to, to point out is Illinois is so banged up. They, they've had guys out. Uh, Amata Bebe had surgery. Uh, Jake Hansen had surgery. I don't think Hansen's going to play. I think Bebe, there's a chance he plays. But they're they're not healthy right now at all. And, yeah, I think to win this game, yeah, you, you probably got to cause some turnovers. Let's go back to who wants it more. I Don't you think Illinois probably wants to be here more than Cal? Yeah, I would say. I mean, for Cal players to take a trip up the coast, to yeah. play, not, not, not that It's cool. essentially a home game. By the way, Illinois fans are just crying, pissing, and moaning because it's basically a home game for Cal. I got news for you. If you're a Midwestern program, you're pretty much going to be the road team in any bowl game you go yeah. to. Yeah. So just accept yeah. it. Big Ten teams play Pac-12 teams on the West Coast and play SEC teams in the South. Correct. Pretty much standard. For I mean, it's just this. this is you know what this is, Illinois. This is called going to a bowl game. Yeah. Enjoy it. This is how it goes. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, I was already leaning towards Cal already uh, mm -hmm. when you just depressed the hell out of me just now by saying <laughs> how many of Illinois' uh, offensive weapons are out of this game. That just swings me that much more. So I'm going to take Cal to cover the six, but mm -hmm. I think I'm going to wind up still going under mm -hmm. the 43.5 because I'm just wondering where the offense is going to come either direction. I mean, if you want to, I can depress you more. Jamal Woods, I don't know if he's going to play. Um, Tony Adams, not quite sure. Doug Kramer, the center, it sounds like is not going to play. Ricky Smalling, nope, not going to play. So, yeah, they're they're banged up. If you can see my face right now, it's like yeah, uh, it's it's like I'm watching a car accident unfold in front of me. I mean, even without those things, I think I would just go Cal. I just I'm an Illinois fan. I have no faith in us. I have to go Cal. And you always pick out the lowest total and go under. So I'm going under. Big difference between finishing the year seven and six with a bull win and finishing six and seven with a bull loss. That is a, a thing. Yes. That's a swing. So that's what we call a big swing. That's right a swing. There. So as as if you're a loyal listener of the show, you know that I don't think it means that much to win your bowl game, but you don't want to be under 500 because of your bowl game. Let me ask you this. Does it mean something to lose your bowl game 63 to 14? Like it Purdue absolutely does. Year? That's okay. the one so thing there, you can't do. There are There is meaning. They do keep yes. track. If you throw a touchdown, this is a part of your career statistics as a player. It's a football game. Except it didn't count for Ron Dane. Yes. And you, you, there is no revisionist history with college football stats, which yeah, is that's so a, that's an off -season, stupid offseason pod. Right. Right. That yeah. one down right there. All right. So that gets us into the uh, Wednesday, January 1st. Excuse me. 
First up, the Outback Bowl. The number 18 Minnesota Golden Gophers versus the number 12 out of the SEC Auburn Tigers. This is a noon game on ESPN. The line is the Tigers by 7.5 over under 53. So who wants to be here more? I think it's pretty clear the Gophers want to be here more. I think that's fair to say. Don't you think so? Yes. Um, One thing I'm looking for, I've heard about this great Auburn defensive line all year. I want to see how they do against this big physical Gophers offensive line. Interesting. Yeah, That's what I'm going to be looking for. Um, You know, all all I have heard about is the Auburn defense over and over and over again. Uh, But with the over and under in this line, they're saying 30 – to 23 Auburn. So that's that's a lot of points up on the scoreboard for what is supposed to be a great defense, correct? So is that a sign of respect for the Minnesota offense here? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I think the Minnesota offense is getting respect nationally. I, I think, think there's so. no question about it. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously Tanner Morgan, it's very interested just to see the quarterback battle here. So obviously Minnesota's uh, Tanner Morgan, freshman Bo Nix for, for Auburn. Um, certainly the wide receivers for Minnesota, Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson, fantastic. Auburn's got a pretty good receiver themselves and Seth Williams, a couple other guys uh, that are good. Auburn, as we know, their their losses are, I guess, quote-unquote, good losses. Georgia, uh, LSU, and Florida, all yep. teams that you know uh, finished ranked in the top 15. But their wins are <laughs> Oregon and Bama most recently. Yeah. That's quite a schedule for uh, uh, Auburn. I mean, it's greatest record, no, I mean, but they're 9-3. and three team so and i think that th- these this is another incredibly well-matched game and i think you can compare minnesota to auburn in that they have really two great quality losses right correct but one quality win penn state um you know i guess the proverbial what would auburn's record be if they played minnesota's schedule and then vice versa not going to throw that out there to get a- attacked on twitter for no. it but it- it's it's something that it, you understand if you bring it up with this. Sure. Um, you said that this was an evenly matched bowl game. So oh I, I will say, look, I will say this. Look at their stats. The stats are incredible. I mean, it as far as what you're looking at, this is not an Auburn offense that has blown people no. out of the water until but, until they played Alabama at the end of the year. But they did score 34 points a game, yep. and Minnesota scored 34.3. I mean, you go down like what they what they gave a lot up, of Auburn's to, big. A big scoring games were against because outside of those okay. five teams that they played, those are five great teams. You know, the other seven teams are just awful that sure. they play. I mean, it, it was a bad schedule outside of that. Okay, uh, so that was when they. But what I am, it is very much an X's no game for me. I am very intrigued to see how accurate Tanner Morgan can be versus that defense. Can, like you brought up, can Ronnie Smith, can they, can Minnesota run the ball in this game? That's what I'll be interested to see when I, when I uh, tune in. So that great defensive line, by the way, they only have 28 sacks on the entire year. Auburn does their leader for sacks is Marlon Davidson. He only has seven and a half. So I feel like they can keep Tanner Morgan clean and he should be able to get his yards. So you feel that's something you feel confident about. Is I do saying. feel good about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't feel nearly as confident as you do. Um, I just don't like this matchup in the end for uh, Minnesota. I'm really nervous. So what is it, just like the physicality? Like, it's because Auburn recruits at a much higher level than Minnesota. Yeah, and so of is that kind of what we're, you're getting back to here? I'm just a little. 
there is a little bit of a been there, done that feel that Auburn's going to have. Like they can yeah. just go about their business. Minnesota, I mean, this is this is biggest bowl game in okay. my lifetime. In my lifetime, for sure. For the Gophers, I mean, um, you probably have to go back to the '60s. So I feel like there is there are times when you have that, and and because there's so much weight being put in the game, that actually helps a team out. I just can't shake that feeling of what happened the last time we saw the Gophers play against a physical team. I would even say somewhat similar, a little bit similarities. Yeah. Okay. You know, Auburn, talk, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, sure. So that is probably playing into it a lot, playing in, you know, the SEC background. I don't know. It just, there's a lot of, inf- you know. Just, and maybe, you're, are you thinking a lot about Purdue last year? I, I Maybe that is play. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a pretty good point. Yeah. Which is not fair to Minnesota, but. No, it's not. Yeah. And Kamal Martin will not be playing for Minnesota. We know that. Yep. He's sitting out the bowl. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm I think gonna... PJ's going to have his troops ready. Yep. I don't think they're going to win the game. But I no, do PJ's... I do like them plus the points. You do? I okay. Do. I'm going to take Auburn to cover the seven and a half. I'm going to go over the 53. I think you're going to wind up seeing some points in this game. All right. Next up this is a pretty good one. This is the Citrus Bowl. Number 14, Michigan versus number 13. They're all the way down at 13. Alabama Crimson Tide, also a noon game. This is on ESPN. Um, I want to double check with that. Yeah, I believe so. And this is line Bama by seven over under 59. I take that back. I knew I was wrong. This is on ABC. ABC. So the... Outback Bowl, noon on ESPN. The Citrus Bowl, noon on ABC. Okay, so Bama by seven, over under 59. So what they're saying here is somewhere around tied win 37 to 30? Is Boy. that what is that what we're thinking here? No, you game? said 59 for the over? Yeah. Nah, so it'd be less than that. It'd be okay. more like um, 34, 34 to, to 27, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. It's kind of yeah, hard yeah, to do math there. My bad. But okay, <laughs> motivated teams. I got it. No question. Michigan's the more motivated team here right now. Huh. Yeah. Um I mean Alabama was if they're not playing the college football playoffs, it doesn't even doesn't even count for them. And we've seen that happen recently, where even after they got stomped in a quote unquote meaningless bowl, Saban even kinda made excuses for them. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, they got beat by Utah uh in a in a quote unquote meaningless bowl game. What's the other one we're forgetting here? One of the few times they haven't made the college football playoffs. Mm. Oh, they lost like Oklahoma, didn't they? Was that? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think Oklahoma. It was Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Good pull there. I yeah, thanks. The um, and Michigan, you know, of course they lost to Ohio State, but they were hitting their stride at the end of the year. They kept getting better all year, and you got Tua, who's out for for Bama here, so yeah. they're going to be playing Mac Jones at quarterback. To me, that's a huge advantage. And I'll go a little further. Cornerback Trayvon Diggs. Outside linebacker Terrell Lewis, both future NFL players, will not be playing for Bama in this game. It, to me, everything right now is pointing towards Michigan. However, Michigan never plays well in bowl games. They have not looked good in recent memory. But never. At, you can well, go back towards to, at the, actually at the beginning of Khaki Pants's tenure. They look good. They okay. they had they had big. It's been the last. I think it's been the last three years. I know it's been the last two years. Uh, uh, Two years ago, last year they got blown out by Florida. That was not a football contest from the get-go. Yep. The year before, they 
rolled South Carolina in the first half. And but then, then they got rolled. completely fell asleep right. after that. So they've been against SEC teams the past two years as well. Um, yes, I understand that Tua Tagovailoa is out of this game. Uh, Mac Jones in. You know who's also playing in this game? Jerry Judy. Yeah, he's pretty good. Devonta Smith. Yeah, he's Henry Ruggs. Yeah. Jalen Waddell. Gosh. It's insane. Their wide receivers are like, incredible. This is incre- I mean, I was talking about how great the SC wide receivers are, but I, Bama's got the best ones in the country, right? I don't think you I, I don't well, Maybe, I don't I don't nah, do do nah, I think do Bama. I think Michigan's defense is better than most of the defense that Auburn Al, or excuse me, Alabama played this year? Yeah, I do. No doubt about it. Michigan is going to have to put points on the board in order to win this game. They are not winning this game 20 to 17 type but of don't, deal. They probably can put some points up on Bama. This is not a great Bama defense. And that's where I mean I screwed it's, up the uh, I screwed up the total on the game, you know, but with this over under being just under 60, they do think a lot of points are going up on I the know, board. I don't here. I'm not I don't That's a lot of points, yeah. isn't it? Alabama has been putting up points on everybody. Yeah, but it's not it's not Tua anymore. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, Mac Jones did look good the last couple games of the year and other times when he went in, but it's a tough one. This is a tough bowl right here. It to, really is. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I just I don't know what else to say other than I think you already touched on it. I need to see Michigan put their pants on and 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 roll out into a bowl game and show it to me. I just have not seen it. But do I am I confident that Alabama is going to show up and want to win this game? No, I know. But I'm basically, you know, looking at the two the two it's it's two ugly stepsisters. I know. That you're picking from right, even though this bowl game is really intriguing. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, we're talking about Michigan versus Alabama. We're right. picking the the lesser of the two evils right now. Crazy, huh? That is weird. I'm going to take the over, and I'm going to take Alabama. I I think this will wind up being something like a. 38 to 21, 38, 24 type of game. I don't think I like the under. If there's anything I like in this game, it's okay. the under. Okay. Seven points, huh? I got to go Michigan on that one. Okay. I All have right. to go. Michigan. There's too many points. points. It's too many points. It's a roughed up Alabama defense. It is. Yeah. Again, with with two guys that are just not going to play. We're just going to sell. I mean, if we can have that Shea Patterson you know, the last well, that's three the other four thing. games of the year. He had his best, basically from the Illinois game on, he was a great quarterback this year. I think we'll see that. I think so, too. And that's why I think there'll be points on the board. I just think I just think Alabama's going to put up more. And again, I get back to the just, I don't know, being nervous about which Michigan team shows up in their bowl. I'm definitely nervous about khaki pants and, and what, what team's showing up. All right. We got another one on New Year's Day. Of course, it's the granddaddy of them all the rose bowl number eight wisconsin playing number six oregon this is a four o'clock p.m game on espn that just makes me sick it should be on abc when i think yeah rose bowl, i know i think abc absolutely and i know abc espn but it should just be on abc it should be i don't know uh the line badgers by a field goal over under 52, so they're saying something like Wisconsin winning this game 28 to 24. Yeah, and that sounds about right. Um, the, you know, the last three games we're doing here are the three best games, don't you think? Um, 
Well, right? next one, I don't know if I'd put the next one up quite that high, but this Rose Bowl we'll get is to that. extremely this is intriguing. Awesome. Was, uh, and and we, isn't it awesome that you get, it's not, you know, the top of the Big Ten against the Pac-12, but it's a Big Ten versus Pac-12, The you know, the the prototypical standard or traditional matchup, as they say. Yeah, I mean, sadly, the the BCS and the college football playoff ruined the Rose Bowl that you and I know. But yes, a good traditional Pac-12 versus Big Ten matchup here. But these teams, I just love, I, I love these te- two going up against each other. You've got two really good offenses here that put up about the same amount of points, about the same amount of yards. You got two pretty spicy defenses too. I mean, this is not your... Your typical Oregon team that that from you know days gone by where they score a lot of points, give up a lot of points, they're feisty on defense. They've been feisty all year. Um, they should have beat Auburn. I mean, they absolutely gacked that one away to the Tigers. Um, they were really hitting their stride pretty much the whole year. The offense was getting better and better than they just you know inexplicably stumbled towards the end of the year. That cost them the college football playoffs um, but that didn't stop them from coming back alive in the Pac-12 championship most of us watched that the Friday night game where they just they they just steamrolled Utah I mean yeah, they were they did they were the more talented and and faster and hungrier team they were more in everything that game yeah, I could they, they played looser in that game that's just yeah, all there is to it I was I don't think Utah was as bad as they showed in that game I don't but know I how, think Oregon's as good as they showed if yeah that makes any sense I was surprised I just did not think they were that much better than than Utah. Somewhat um, sneakily. I, I mean, Justin Herbert, who we all know, 32 touchdowns to five picks. That's a damn good season. <laughs> I mean, and he had 3,300 yards. And, you know, you, you never really heard much about him. He kind of is just like, oh, yeah, and there's Justin Herbert out there on the West Coast. That is an amazing season that he just had. Insane. Um, and then uh, running back C.J. Verdell, also a very talented uh, running back. They've their wide receivers pretty much. Uh, um, Herbert just distributed it evenly <clears throat> among like five or six guys. I don't mm-hmm. think there's anybody you can really focus on. Haven't we touched on over the course of this year? What was the number one way to get on top of this Wisconsin defense? Uh, you had to throw the ball on them. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, it is. I, you know, when I was researching this game, boy, I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Another thing, too, this is, you know, going in the way back, but when you think of Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, what's the first image that pops into your head? The f- first image of Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl? I don't know. I guess I would say I have Rondane. to go back. Now I was going to go back further than that. I was going to go back to Brent Moss and, really? uh, and okay. who, who is the uh, Ter- Terrell Fletcher. Remember those two? Sure. I'm going back to the 93 game. That's what okay. I think of when I think of Wisconsin, and the Rose Bowl. Interesting. You got a couple years on me, so maybe yeah. you just go back a little bit further. But uh, um, to me, it's Ron Dane. Okay. You know, you know, rumbling, stumbling, bumbling. Wisconsin having a lot of success in the Rose Bowl. Alvarez was a was a Rose Bowl winning uh, machine. Uh, so I think we could get obviously a part of that with Jonathan Taylor. Um, if Jonathan oh, yeah. Taylor can can car- no, I don't know about carve up, but have a lot of success against an Ohio well, State defense recently. Yeah, I think he can do it versus Oregon. They're giving up 107 yards rushing a game. It's a pretty good a- run defense. But you know they're going to play their game. They're going to run the ball. They're, he's going to get his yards, but I think they're going to slow him down. Have they gone against a rushing attack in the Pac-12 that looks no. like Wisconsin? <laughs> no, they haven't. <laughs> okay, so it's Oregon throwing the ball versus Wisconsin this running the awesome. ball. Again, the different style of fights going into this bowl game. You could make an argument that this is the best. Eh, 
second best Big Ten bowl matchup. Maybe first. Obviously, it, we're going to get to be a first. This is an awesome this is, game. This is cool. There's but, a lot of traditionalists out there, Big Ten fans. They're going to point to this game as the one they want to watch the most. Besides, if yeah. you know, if a bowl game that their team's in. Yeah. Um. Boy, and you know, being the Rose Bowl, both teams are motivated. There's no team that's I, not I, motivated I, here. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even come into play. I, I would I say think. if you know, obviously, at one point, Oregon. Uh, thought that they, you know, they were very much alive for a college football playoff. Yeah, so, so I would say that there there could be some letdown there, but it was far enough back into the season. Yeah, you kind of work that out of your system by the time you get to. And this then game, the Rose right? Bowl. Yeah. I mean, this is like something that that you you set your sights at preseason if you're Big Ten or Pac-12 team. So, and at one point, it looked like Oregon had they lost to Utah, they were still going to go to. The Rose Bowl. Right. And now they go to the Rose Bowl on fire after sure. blowing up Utah. So, yeah. I, I, I don't see any difference in motivation here. I know. Man. This is a toss-up game for me. Um, but So it's three points in favor of Oregon. I mean, I think it's going to be a barn burner. I do, too. So I think I guess I got to lean towards uh, towards Oregon on, the, on this one. Yep. I'm going to take Oregon, especially with them getting a field goal. I'm going to go over the 52. I, I, That's a tough one. There's two good defenses in this game. I see that. Right. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just, again, you know, memories of different Rose Bowls. But does there ever seem to be a Rose Bowl lately where there's no hardly any points on no, the board? No, it there's doesn't usually happen. The Rose Bowl. I, I, I was leaning under, but I think you may have just flipped me there. <laughs> Because, yeah, it doesn't seem like there ever yeah. is a low-scoring Rose Bowl. It doesn't feel like it, does it? Yeah, I'm going over. By the way, I you know went to a Rose Bowl. My brother started in a Rose Bowl. And I was just I was a kid. you know, like I couldn't really appreciate it. Sure. I could still appreciate how beautiful it is. It is. Oh, man. Dude, it's like, does it ever not look amazing when they are panning? It, it, the sun is setting at a perfect time at some that, point. In that's the game. my favorite part of the game is the, the way that you transition from the sun in the first half to the darkness in the second half. It's like two different games. Totally. I love it. It's incredible. It's and I love the way incredible. the sidelines are painted up. They always do a great job with that. And the, just the gigantic bowl. It was Iowa, Washington when I was there. It what was, year? Uh, 90? 90. Okay. The 91 Rose Bowl. Perfect purple, uh, you know, offset to the perfect black and gold mixture on the other side of the stadium. It's I have a incredible. feeling we might talk about that 1990 Iowa team later in this podcast. We might. It might be touched on. So, All right. So we're both taking Oregon, and we yeah. both took the over. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last non College football playoff game up. We've got on Thursday, January 2nd, the Gator Bowl. Indiana Hoosiers versus the Tennessee Tennessee Vols. This is a 6 o'clock p.m. game on ESPN. The Vols favored by two, over under 52. So kind of close to what we had on the last one. Vegas is saying something like 27 to 24 Tennessee. I'm going to start by saying I feel bad for IU fans that they have to tolerate the Tennessee fans for basically a month. They're the worst fans on the planet. I think they're the worst fan base. Period. Yes. They're they're they have the arrogance of how great their program used to be. Even so though that's it's not still good. Ingrained in their sure. DNA. Yeah. Then you mix it in with a what is generally a lack of education. Just just across the board. And when you think of when you think of scholars of the country Tennessee is not where you're going to go do some research. No, I don't think they have any Nobel Prize winners from there. <laughs> right. And, and and probably just a, Good a, a lack of general dentistry. 
don't you think? Something like that. I God, yeah, I, I mean, Iowa bad. fans mix it up with Tennessee fans. Oh my God, they're they're idiots. And and I have been I've laughed at them openly during their coaching search, which just got completely oh botched last year. I found Absolutely. it comical, and they went nuts. Like some ten, couple Tennessee fans found me just from a comment I made. I don't even know how I got to them, you know. And they're just oh my God, seventy freaking crazy right. people came in. It was it was hilarious. Yeah, but this is to me. With the, maybe the exception of the Rose Bowl, the most interesting matchup. So you're okay. I, I didn't know if maybe you were looking at the card. You love you love this. I matchup. love. Sell I just me on love it. this. Sell me on this matchup, baby. Okay. So you've got a traditional, historic SEC power that has fallen on tough times. Then you've got a traditional bottom dweller in the Big Ten that is finally pointing up and having one of their best seasons ever. You had Tennessee who basically stumbled out of the gate to an embarrassing 0-2 start and magically picks up their season and puts it back together versus IU that just basically you know came out of the gate and and and, and cruised from start to finish to one of their best seasons ever. Tennessee you, lost to Georgia State and BYU, embarrassingly, at the beginning I of mean, the year. Honestly, and, of course, typical SEC fan base already wanted to fire their coach, new coach at that time. Well, so this is his second year, right? Yep. Pruitt's second year. Yep. But honestly, at that point, weren't you thinking, oh, this is not working out? Wasn't a good look. It was a bad look. And right. suddenly, uh, there may have been even, even been some Tennessee fans thinking, you know, maybe Shiano uh, wouldn't have been that bad. But it's amazing what they did with their season. Yeah. Another um, thing to throw out here, it's damn near regional. I mean, it kind of is. Indiana yeah. and Tennessee ain't that far away from each and other. And you got a, a basketball school versus a football school. But, but just on paper, two really... Good-looking teams here right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, you got IU much better offensively than Tennessee, but Tennessee's got a pretty solid defense. I'm really interested to see, can Peyton Ramsey move the ball through the air on the Vols? Yeah, how the just the general offensive attack will look versus Tennessee. Guarantee you there isn't a Tennessee fan down there that has even looked at the Indiana roster, knows anything no. about them. I I picture them being shocked when all of a sudden Wap Fillier and yeah. a couple other players, you know, all of a sudden are just catching balls and making plays all over. They're going to be like, what in the hell is yeah. going on? I mean, this is Indiana. <laughs> this is the Hoosiers. We ain't <laughs> losing to the Hoosiers. That is dead on. That I mean, we're not even. No, I, I know. I know we're we're a Big Ten football specific <laughs> podcast. We like to get on the SC, but we're, are we being even? remotely outlandish by, no, by saying I, things like I think this. that Indiana could come out of the gate and really smack him in the mouth. God, I hope so. God, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? I think mm, if I did a top three Big Ten teams that I will be rooting for the hardest, obviously I was going to be number one. I think Ohio State's going to be number two, but I would probably put Indiana third. And you could maybe talk me into I would rather see I think Indiana is my I, number I mean, one right now. Yeah. And, I just want to see UT embarrassed. Because be, awesome. they'll be embarrassed just because of the name on the front of Indiana's Correct. jersey. Correct. No, no, has no, they don't understand what a good team this is. It's just that we lost to Indiana, and it wasn't in basketball. Um, Jared Garantano, um, Garantano, Garantano, Garantano uh, wound up having a pretty good year. Tennessee yeah. pretty much looked awful until they actually played Alabama tough. Mm -hmm. They were... If, in uh, uh, Guantanamo, I don't know, I can't say Garantano. That. Garantano called his own audible on a goal line play. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Tennessee was going in to tie the football game at yeah. that point. 
Um, I believe it was Ty, or maybe get within one score. Sticks the ball out on a play that he wasn't supposed to run. Fumbles. Alabama returns it 97 yards for a touchdown. But people came away from that game saying, you know, Tennessee was hanging with Alabama. Then they ripped off five wins to close the year and get to a bowl game. They're hot right now. Yeah. So this is another tough one. Another great matchup. Speaking of good wide receivers, Juan Jennings. Juan Jennings. He's good. Pretty nice. Yeah, 942 yards, eight touchdowns in the season. Something to look for. Uh, So Tennessee's got a pretty nice run D. But I I, I, want to see them dedicate themselves to running the ball a little bit to open up the pass game. I want to see Stevie Scott get his yards. I'm really torn on this game. It's such a close line. I think I'm leaning Hoosiers plus the two. Okay. Um, I'm going to take Tennessee oh, yeah. to cover the two. I'm going to go way over the 52. It's probably one of my, my more favorite plays yeah. um, on this board because I, whereas Tennessee just look better, uh, you know, offensively, like their defense still wasn't that great. And I think they're going to be a little bit surprised by what this Indiana offense brings to the, to the table. So I like the over ultimately I just Tennessee is a hot team coming into this, yeah. you know, playing in their backyard to a certain degree. I don't know. Here's just, the other thing we talked all this year about Indiana reaching these benchmarks. This is another benchmark for them. Huge. That's a great winning play. a bowl game, not just going to a bowl game, going to a pretty big bowl game, Playing a, a traditional power and winning that game. That's a step, something they've never done, yep, right? Yep. So can that's they do that? Point. We'll be pulling for you, Hoosiers. Oh, man, go Hoosiers. And I think I'm leaning towards the over as well. All right, so that gets us to the... We could also call it the Big Ten game of the month, the Big Ten game of the year, Big Ten game of the bowl season, the Fiesta Bowl first round of the college football playoffs number two the ohio state buckeyes versus the number three clemson tigers this will be the second college football playoff game of the day seven o'clock p.m game on espn line clemson tigers favored by two and a half over under a robust 63 points so right now pretty much dead on saying Clemson winning this game in a thriller, 33-30. to 30. Why are the two best teams in the country playing the semifinals? That's how you feel. That's how I feel right now. Okay. So Shade, LSU. Shade. Ohio State had the best regular season, pretty much. Hands if you down. look at any metric, Ohio State is the best team in the country, yet they're not favored here. We talked about Why is uh, that? Ohio State dropping from one to two with Dustin Schutte. Also with Brett Siancia with pick six previews. I still don't know if we captured the essence of anger that I have on the fact that Ohio State is the second ranked team in the country. It's, yeah. it's complete BS to me. It's complete BS to me, too. I I don't know why you'd want to be matched up against Clemson in the first round. I get that you got to beat them probably but eventually, still. but still, you don't want them in the first round. I guess the one thing you can say about Clemson, though, like I said, these are the two best teams, but... We don't really know how good Clemson is. So this is the interesting thing of Clemson, right? Um, they, you know, almost got beat by North Carolina. They almost got beat by North Carolina. That's that's a fact. Yeah. I, I watched early that on the season, though. And then they just systematically curb stomped everybody. It was their wake up call. I yeah, mean, they kind of was. fell asleep. They still won the game. They're like, you know what? We actually got to show up for these damn things. And they kicked everyone's ass from then on. But. But they the just teams they, they just kicked were just not great. No. I don't know. I mean, I feel like almost every team 
in the ACC would be a seven and five team in the Big Ten, something like that. Yeah, not no. every team, but like the what are the second and third and fourth rung teams? You know what I mean? Yeah, they're seven and five teams. Right. So what I'm saying is. Wake Forest, um, Boston College, you know, name, name those teams, right? How many of them are better than Indiana? I don't know. I don't – I it's hard to find one that I think – that I'm confident would be better than Indiana. You could you could theoretically take Indiana and, and match them up on teams two through eight in the ACC and say, I, I feel think Indiana's better, right? Ohio State destroyed. Indiana. Oh my God! It wasn't even close. They didn't belong in the same field. Point. Point. You see where I'm trying yeah, to go here, right? Absolutely. I mean, Ohio State would would do everything that Clemson did this year with their schedule more, plus more. So my first thought there is not getting tested all year has to be a disadvantage for Clemson. I do, but then that. But I, then you're not getting beat up either, and you're not playing in second that's halves. A good, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I was see now that that's a great point because it leads me into. I really want Justin Fields' health to be a big part of That's this. That's a but, huge question here. And we'll get to that. I guess what I want to finish off with, though, is does Clemson get the – they get a pass, do they not, for the fact that we've seen a – Right. We don't think this Clemson has team has been tested, and then they run through the college football playoffs and stomp people. So that – that's why. That's what I'm thinking. That's why they're favorite here because we've seen them recently win a national championship, and it's Dabo, you know, I – Everyone has so much respect for that guy. Is that is that the reason that they're favored? And it's the talent that 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 everybody knows they have on these football teams. Okay, but I mean Ohio State. Have you have you <laughs> yeah, ever seen him? But then here's the here's one thing. Trevor Lawrence is going to be by far the best quarterback they've seen. It, who who is who's the best quarterback Ohio State faced this year? That's a really good point. I mean, they really didn't go up against an elite quarterback. I mean, hardly anybody's gone up against a quarterback at Trevor Lawrence's. Level. Well, sure. I mean, but I mean, there's there's only I think the only quarterbacks that you can really put up there into the Trevor Lawrence area are Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, a healthy Tua Tagovailoa, yeah, and I guess Jalen Hurts. But in all honesty, he's yeah. probably a step down probably from, from Trevor Lawrence. I'm just trying to think. Like Shea Patterson is good, but he's yeah. not elite. No. This is it's going to be interesting to, to watch him it's and really those great point. wide receivers against the great defensive backfield and the pass rush of this Ohio State team. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking forward to. T. Higgins is an absolute superstar. Um, just you know, put him into the NFL soon, and he will be doing what he's doing at the college level. Oh, by the way, Justin Ross, wide receiver, also very good. So there you go. I uh, Ohio State's secondary, Jeffrey Okuda. Mm-hmm. Um, in all honesty, there were a couple times in big games where Jeffrey Okuda didn't look as dominant hmm. as I thought he would look. Really? I know it sounds like I'm throwing shade at Jeffrey Okuda. I I don't mean it like that. I'm huh. looking, but I'll just say this much: I'm looking at you, Jeffrey Okuda. No matter and Sean who Wade too. No, right, Sean Wade. No matter who they are lined up against, whether it's Okuda or Ross or a couple of the other slot guys. That's a big part of the game to me. That is a huge part of the game to me. You know, this kind of goes without saying, but it's just cool that these two great teams are going to see a level of, of talent and level of play that they haven't come close to seeing yet. That's the exciting part about the games like this. The game before this will be um, uh, LSU-Oklahoma. Definitely going to have sizzle and feel to it. 
just making a prediction here, it will pale in comparison yeah. to what Ohio State Clemson brings to the table. History here, obviously, with Clemson shutting out Ohio State three years ago, um, Clemson fans, yeah. I can attest to, have not let Ohio State fans forget about it. I, I don't know. That, I and think the Ohio State coaches have not forgotten about that. And this is a completely different makeup of a team. Sure. Ryan Day wasn't even on the offensive staff when that shutout happened. I mean, th- these are two different things, but still plays into the history of this game. Absolutely. So let's go over a few numbers here. Offensive yards. These are ranked for the whole country. Clemson, number three, Ohio State, five. Defensive yards surrendered. Clemson, number one, Ohio State, two. Points scored. Clemson, four, Ohio State, one. Points allowed. Clemson, number one, Ohio State, three. These are two powerhouse teams going against one another absolutely insane all right total sacks on the year ohio state 51 is number one in the country clemson down at 37 that could be something to look for there so that plays us right into chase young um when chase young is on his game there isn't a offensive tackle in division one football that can block him in fact i think there's very few playing on sundays that can block him he's gone quote unquote quiet but i i've seen the video we're not just talking consistent double teams. He's getting triple teams yeah. sometimes. And I assume that's what they're going to be doing. I I just found out today one of the tackles, probably the one he's going to be going against, is from Ohio. Hmm. The, the He's a sophomore. I can't remember his name, but the, the, the tackle he's going to be lined up against is an Ohio kid. Speaking of great matchups, even though they're not directly going against each other, running back Travis Etienne yeah. and my boy J.K. Dobbins. Holy cow, there are some exciting <laughs> Running backs played it. I mean, exciting running backs, exciting quarterbacks. Yeah. There's receivers all over the field. This, this is insane. This is the game of the year so far. This is the game of the year. Yeah. This is insane. This is going to be awesome. It's even making curmudgeon college football playoff guys like me and you. Yes. I'm pretty geeked out. Oh, I'm totally football. geeked to see <laughs> yes. this game. So, all right, back to Ohio State. And, and all the metrics seem to point to them being the best team in the country. I feel like they have the best value right now. Don't you? Like, yes. To me, I have to take Ohio State in this game to cover. Uh, you know, there was a time where I was thinking to myself, is Clemson the best team in the country? Is Clemson the best team? But I do think Ohio State played a much tougher schedule. Yeah. I think they're more battle-tested. I think what they went through with that Penn State-Michigan-Wisconsin gauntlet and coming from behind in the second half versus Wisconsin was huge. Yeah. I do – what you're saying, the value. I mean, this could yeah. be – this. We, very easily, a less than a month from now, we could be looking back and saying, is this the greatest college football team of all time sure. in, in Ohio State? Yeah. If, if they, they run through this. Yeah. Um, and we're getting two and a half points here. I know. <laughs> so I, you, you bring up a really good point. I mean, I feel like this is the best. This is my most con- highest confidence pick, I think, okay. is Ohio State covering the, the two and a half. This is, I, I, I don't think. think I'm quite that high, but I just got to the point where my one nerve nervousness uh-huh. and i think this is the one thing that makes ohio state fans nervous about this game too we've seen in the tighter games what does ryan day what is it what is the wrinkle for lack of a way of putting in the offense that he that he leans on the the running with Justin with fields. justin fields but is justin fields healthy he had a, a mcl sprain and he was playing on it playing okay he's those normally don't take more than a few weeks to heal. Okay. He's he's going to have a, a solid two to three weeks to heal. I think he's going to be healthy. I hope so. Yeah, I think he is. He'll still have the knee brace on, but I don't want to just see the 
kind of moving around well, Justin Fields. Beginning of the year, yeah. that guy with fresh legs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, so let me ask you something. Do you see this being a blowout one way or the other? I see the potential. I don't. Okay. Um, here, here's, here is the possibility. I, if I see it as a blowout, it would be Ohio State. Yes, I and agree, here, but I just here, don't see that happening. I don't think Clemson, I don't think their front seven knows what's coming at him right now with this Ohio State rushing attack. Yeah. I, I think Ohio State's offensive line is that good. They are that good. I know. Ultimately, for me, it, it has come down to I think Justin Fields is going to be fine, and I think that Ohio State offensive line is going to look great. So the reason I asked that question. J.K. Dobbins will look great. Okay, so the reason I asked that question is – I'm thinking about the total here. A lot of these playoff games have been really high scoring when they've been close. They've either been a blowout or they've been high scoring on both sides, right? I don't see it being a blowout. So I kind of see it being high scoring on both sides. I think I'm leaning towards the over here. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take the under here um, because I do believe when you have two excellent teams like this with excellent defenses, it it seems like it winds up being a tighter game. And and defenses show out in this game. I I I think it'll be tight through the first half, like even quote unquote low scoring. If like okay. fourteen to thirteen is low scoring or fourteen okay. to ten, then I think it's gonna open back up in the second half. But okay. I still think it'll be enough to, to to finish under. Sounds good, man. Bam, I'm looking forward to that game. Oh man, it's gonna be awesome. All right. So if you're still listening to the podcast, appreciate it. Um I don't know if this is like a special tribute on the podcast, but it's got its own segment. So sure. to a certain degree it it's is. It's a special so, tribute. Uh, yeah. So um, at 90 years old, John Hayden Fry uh, died. Um, he's the head coach at Iowa for a long, long time. Um, he recruited both my older brother and I. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to have had to play for Coach Fry to have a uh, – a connection with Hayden Fry. I mean, it. anybody that grew up in the state that's probably over the age of definitely 35, if not yeah. 30, has got, you know, a connection to, to, to Coach Fry. Won three Big Ten championships at Iowa. Got the Hawks all the way up to a number one rating in 1985. But the biggest thing is pre-Hayden Fry, there's two things that were fact. Ohio State and Michigan won the Big Ten championship every year. And Iowa was awful. <laughs> yes. So 17 losing seasons in a row for Iowa. Wow. No kidding. I mean, in 17 consecutive losing seasons. Correct. Wow. And they were never like a zero loss team. Like they didn't <laughs> sure. get down to Northwestern 1980s bad, but they just never got good. Um, which is crazy because Iowa was very good during the 30s and 40s, won a national championship. Even 50s. In the 50s yeah. were fantastic. Sure. Under Forrest Eveshevsky. But Forrest Eveshevsky, the coach, turned into a not good Forrest Eveshevsky, the AD. Okay. So then in comes Bump Elliott, who sure. also died recently. And he, this was his, you know, I should know this. It was either a second or third coaching head coach hire at Iowa. Oh, no kidding. Right. And he famously said to Coach Fry, well, if you don't have success, I can guarantee I'm not going to get a chance to hire another head coach. So we better make this work. Yeah. So um, the Big Ten had been won uh, 13 years in a row by either Ohio State or Michigan. It's the days of the Big Two and the Little Eight. And that's that's what it was until the Texan 
came in, uh, Hayden Fry. Um, so a lot of this stuff will go through stories, things. Um, John Ford, the great director, John Ford famously once said, when you have to choose between history and legend, print the legend. There are some stories associated with Hayden Fry. We're not really sure about <laughs> their accuracy. Right. But they're uh, still fun to tell. But they're still fun to tell. Um, so I'll stop I'll stop right there. You can have a couple Yeah, let me let me take here. over here. Yeah. Well, a couple things I want to add. College football hall of famer voted in in 2003. You named the three-time Big 10 champs, but also three-time Big 10 coach of the year, 81, 1990, and 1991. I want to talk about that 1990 team. This is my first experience with Hayden Fry. A young Big Kurt, 15 years old, heads down to Champaign for his second <laughs> game ever. And I, so both teams were were pretty highly ranked. I think Illinois was like maybe eighth in the country and Iowa was 12th or something like that. I don't remember the exact rankings. Should have looked that up. But I just remember, you know, pregame, I'm like, come on, we're not going to lose to a team from Iowa. Come on, we're Illinois. They're, we're not going to lose this game. No way we're going to lose this game. Iowa comes out of the visitors' locker room, and I'll never forget this with the the players holding their hands and the swarm. Right? Is do they call that the swarm? Yep. I'm like, well, we're definitely not losing a bunch of guys holding each other's hands. And then the game started, and this was the Nick Bell game, if you remember that. And again, I should have looked this up, but he had about 250 yards. The game was over. I mean, pretty early, like probably by second quarter, you knew the game was over, and I was just destroyed. So that was my introduction personally to Hayden Fry. So that's good. I appreciate you sharing that story, especially uh, from it coming from a, a place of pain. I'm pretty sh- sure. I'm not hundred percent sure, but pretty sure that was the game that coach Fry gave a fist pump up in the air with his leg kick up in the air. Oh, and, okay. And, and this is like iconic. Yeah. For that's Iowa a fan. Sure. Hayden Fry. I'm, I know it was during the 90 season. I think it was during Illinois. I could probably and, get, uh, and that was, there. so Iowa won the big 10, but they shared it with Illinois I think Michigan and Michigan State was a four-way tie. Four-way so tie that was that a year. really good Illinois, Illinois team. team that they beat the brakes off. Yeah, of. absolutely crushed them. Uh, the 1990 team uh, was special for for two reasons for me. It was the only Big Ten championship team that I remembered. I wasn't old enough to remember the other two. Also, my older brother started on that football team. I knew every player on the team by hanging out with my brother. Um, I knew Coach Fry. Um, I think it's probably as good a time as ever to tell the story about Coach Fry coming to my house on the recruiting visit. So, and before you do that, so it was number thirteen Iowa at number five Illinois. Illinois was fifth. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think. I thought they were right around the top ten. No, that's oh, wow. that was a damn good team. Um, so you know, by the time Coach Fry had uh, made it to nineteen eighty five, you know, and got Iowa to a number one ranking, beating number two Michigan at home, last second field goal by Rob Houtland, he had already achieved legendary status. Um, put the A N F on the helmets. America needs yep. farmers, which endeared him to you know most of the state. Uh, then, um, you know, so, you know, long story short, coach Fry was, was a man, you know, a God among men to, to people in Iowa. Um, when he came to my house to recruit my older brother, um, a couple things I'll, I'll never, ever forget. Um, so you remember him being there recruiting your brother? Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, I think I was nine years old. Wow. Um, and, uh, so 
So Coach Fry walks in. He was with uh, Dan McCarney, who was sure. the the uh, uh, coach that was in charge of of um, recruiting my brother. So he walks in, and I mean, dude, it's like the president walking into your house. Oh, man! When he walks, yeah. so so we had like a entryway. He walks through the kitchen. Then mom had everything set up in the dining room. Uh, so he walked in, he met everybody, you know, said hi to everybody in the family. Uh, we got a, a middle brother who would have been about 13, 14 years old at the time. And then we all sit around the table and I mean, I'm eight, nine years old, nine, nine years old. I got a chair and I just sat right next to coach Fry. Really? I, I might as well have sat in his <laughs> lap. Wow. Uh, his cowboy boots it were famous cowboy boots for Iowa fans. Black and gold tiger hawk with a rose in the beak oh, of the cool. tiger hawk encrusted in diamonds. Wow. They were it was the coolest ever seen. Wow. Um, and then, you know, a lot of Hayden Fry, Texas slang, colloquialisms, whatever you want to call it. I remember my mom saying, Hayden, would you like something to drink? And he goes, Well, shoot, I guess I'll take something to wet my whistler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then when you were playing. Like, how often would you actually have a meeting or a conversation with Coach Fry? Yeah, um, and then he recruited me. Um, one of the coolest things I remember is him walking through my high school. Um, uh, that was and he was uh, Chuck Long was recruiting me. So okay. Hayden Fry and Chuck Long walked through my high school to come talk to me. Pretty I imagine cool. if you're. A young man growing up in the state of Iowa, that's pretty much impossible to turn down. Yeah, no, that that once that was my mom told me this this weekend, something that's cool that's happened this week. Like I just told Kurt before we started recording this segment, had we recorded this podcast within hours of hearing about it, I think I would have gotten choked up recording it. Yeah. Uh, what's happened, though, over the last week here is that or not even close to not even quite a week yet is that ex teammates, uh, my brother, friends, everybody, we've all shared Hayden Fry stories. Sure. It's been like a four or five day long eulogy that's just made me feel better about, you know, yeah, like it's just, you just wind up feeling the good things. Um, but my mom said that um, Coach Fry had said to me, I honestly don't remember this. My mom did. Coach Fry said, Jeff, what do you need me to do to get you to come to Iowa? And I said, I want you to come see me at my high school. He's like, We'll come see you in the next couple weeks. And nice, he and he did. Oh, I don't that's even cool. I don't even. I didn't even remember that. But huh. um, so, a couple other things. So he integrated the Southwest Conference. Yeah, that's true. With Jerry Levias, so first black player in the history of that conference. Uh, just this so week, he's at SMU, right? At, yeah, this was when he was at SMU. Um, a lot of stories have been coming out. One of them about how much death threats that both Jerry Levias and Hayden Fry got to the point where he uh, started uh, uh, coaching on the sideline with a um, uh, police officer by his side. Wow. He continued that tradition all the way through his time at, at Iowa. It was Officer Ron. Everybody in, in on the football team knew who Officer Ron was. Um, another thing, too, when he was at SMU, he was pressured by the boosters to play to pay players. He refused, so the combination of Jerry Levias' refusal to pay the players, he was exited from SMU. No kidding. I didn't know that. And what happened to SMU not long after that? Yeah. Pony penalty. Express, yeah. great teams. Sure. And the death They penalty. got what they wanted, right? Uh, then he went on to North Texas State, had a ton of success at North Texas State, but in a division like that, going 9-1, 10-1, 
you don't you don't go to a bowl. No. And he got tired of winning the amount of games. So then Bump Elliott found Hayden Fry and he came to Iowa. You know, the rest is history. A couple other things you already talked about. The swarm. So yes, the swarm. I know that's what the recruiting classes are called now. That's yeah. been around for forever. Um the pink locker rooms. It's true. Yeah, that's that's a Hayden Fry thing, right? Well, and then that's <laughs> Another one of those things I just heard on a different uh, podcast. Uh, apparently, the locker room, uh, they were remodeled the locker rooms, and they went to go paint the visiting locker room. And there was a shortage of paint at the local hardware store. Okay. This is back in you know early 80s. So the only color they had was pink. No kidding. So they just painted it pink. And so it's just Coach kind of Fry accidental. saw it and said... He put the twist on it of calling sure. it a psychological okay. warfare. That gotcha. Calms is. So that's like a little bit different that's on it. Um, he invented the Tiger Hawk. Yeah, which is a great logo. Yeah, got to give him credit there. Uh, threw that out to local artists. Pick the pick the winner. Okay, so that one stuck. Uh, I think another thing that probably people have either forgotten about or just didn't realize the TV show Coach, which was on yeah. ABC. Sure. Craig T. Nelson, do you remember his character's name? I don't remember the name, no. Hayden Fox. That's right, it was, wasn't it? It was loosely based on Hayden Fry. The producer was a University of Iowa graduate. No kidding. Whenever wow. they showed the campus, uh, uh, you know, like in between scenes, uh-huh. when they would play the. That was right in front of Hillcrest Dorm almost no kidding. every single time on the University I of I had Iowa. no idea. Yeah. That's so good even stuff, Big man. Kurt did not know that. I had no idea. During the 1990 season, uh, like we talked about before. Although the, I do remember they were the Screaming Eagles. The, the Minnesota State Screaming <laughs> yeah, Eagles. Yeah, which is a real thing. Minnesota State is real, but they're actually the Mavericks. They're not, Correct. Not the Screaming, screaming Eagles. Um, uh, during the 1990 Rose Bowl team, which you just uh, very nicely laid out, uh, the... Uh, honorary coin flipper was Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> was it really? Coach was on ABC. So, wow. Coach, yeah, they were. They actually had commercials for the NCAA where Hayden Fry was alongside Shelley Fabre, the the Hayden Fox's wife in the TV show. Okay. Coach, like it was a known thing. Like sure. this isn't anything made up. Um, so yeah, ton of big games, ton of success. But I think probably the thing that Hayden Fry is most known for, even outside the state of Iowa, maybe, dare I say, even outside Big Ten uh, uh, football fans, is the coaching tree. It is a coaching tree that is second to none. If somebody's better, bring it up and show me. But I've seen multiple college football minds talk about this coaching tree and say it's the best. Bill Snyder. Yep. Bob Stoops. Yep. Barry Alvarez. Kirk Ferentz, Brett Bulma, Dan McCarney, and then just go ahead and throw in Jim Levitt, Mark Stoops, Bo Pelini, Jay Norvell, Chuck Long was a head coach, and so is Bobby wow. Diaco. Oh, man. I mean, that's impressive. Head coaches galore. Obviously, you get a national championship with Bob Stoops, but I would still rank Bill Snyder as oh, the man. better coach. <laughs> Snyder. Of, no offense to Bob Snoops, but I think Bill Snyder's better. Maybe the most underrated coach ever. Yeah. To to coach in college. Um. So I, I never met, met Hayden Fry. Okay. But I can tell you something that stuck out to me. A friend of mine that I played college, or I'm sorry, high school football with. I'm sure you'll be happy to hear this. He chose Iowa 
over Nebraska to play at. And the thing that I could not believe, so this is, you know, I'm an old man here. So this is Tom Osborne days. He chose Hayden Fry over Tom Osborne. And he told me, you know, Tom just keeps calling the house and he just won't leave me alone. And I told him, look, Tom, you just got to stop calling me. And I'm like, you did not say that to Tom Osborne. He did because he wanted to go to play for Hayden Fry. You know, I had somewhat the same uh, recruiting experience. Now, for Nebraska, I was re- recruited to be one of their fullbacks on their walk-on program. Okay. Uh, I already had a couple division. I had several Division One scholarships. I wasn't going to go walk-on at that point. Sure. Um, but got recruited to a certain degree harder by other teams. But when I was at Iowa on my recruiting visit, one of the coaches actually said, you know, you choose us, you don't choose us. There's about a billion people in China that don't care either way, but we hope you come to Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was their their kind of thought process. Sure. Speaking of recruiting, this probably segues pretty well into a couple different stories. Um, <laughs> I won't say his name, but a, a black man, a black uh, teammate from Texas okay. who I loved. He wound up playing in the NFL. I'm just not going to use his name here, but sure. um, he, great guy. Love the guy. Um, uh, playing the NFL for years. He was older than me and he was a big time recruit. And uh, I was talking to him one time and we'll call him uh, Rob. Okay. I said, Rob, what, you know, what brought you here from Texas, you know, to come play at Iowa? He's like, man, coach Fry on my recruiting visit, we we're talking. He put his arm around me. He said, Rob, you come to Iowa you can date as many white girls as you want. <laughs> Nobody's going to say a thing. <laughs> that's psychological. Wow. That's using what you got to use that's funny. to get a player into Iowa City. A um, couple other things. Uh, one one uh, uh, name I will use is uh, my, my uh, uh, teammate, one of my best friends to this day. Henry uh, was a fullback from New Jersey. He could block the sun. He was a blocking fullback. Okay. His his uh, hits and scrimmages and practices were legendary. Okay. But he w- he wasn't the the fleetest of foot as a fullback. During a scrimmage, hole breaks up on a fullback trap. Hen could just take off, doesn't get far. Gets like three four yards. Gets tackled. People are kind of giggling, and we're we're we are walking back to the huddle. And Coach Fry goes, Henry, did you pull that trailer? All the way from New Jersey? (laughs) Okay, a couple more. Um, He always said to me all the time, he would walk up to me and say, Jeff, you know what I love about your daddy? Is he laughs at all my jokes. (laughs) Nice. Um, And then the last one, I just learned this one. Uh, this weekend when I was talking to my brother, this might be be the best one. So uh, my brother is really good friends with college roommates with Brett Bielma. At Iowa. Okay. Uh, so I knew Brett and his family ever since I was like, you know, 10 years old. And Brett, that we know now, uh, tends to say things off the top of his head, doesn't mm-hmm. really care. That was the same Brett, really, that was back in the college days. Okay. It wasn't like he came abo- upon that uh, um, type of personality. So uh, this is something a lot of Iowa fans would know after Iowa just curb stomped Iowa state in 1992 for something along that lines, like the 10th or 11th time in a row they had beaten Iowa state. Um, 
Bioma walked up to Jim Walden, who was the Iowa State football coach at the time, and found him midfield after the game and said, hey, Coach Walden, just wanted you to know, it's been great kicking your ass the last five years. Wow. And Walden got pissed. And he said something in the media. He made a big deal about how disrespectful uh-huh. it was and everything. So Coach Fry chewed his ass, you know, Buell's sure. ass said. And then um, in front of the whole team, he said, Brent, we all know Walden's a dummy, but we don't need the rest of the college football world knowing about it. <laughs> Meaning like we want to keep that guy sure. yeah, of course. in sure. that position for as long as we can. One more thing. If you haven't seen it, look up, just Google Hayden Fry images and look him up as a player because that was one striking looking man. I mean, the young Hayden Fry picture. I've showed my wife. She literally grabbed the phone out of my hand and stared at it and swooned over the picture. I mean, he looks like Burke Lancaster. He's he's freaking gorgeous. He he was. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. um, I mean, I think I kind of already alluded to it, but yeah, I mean, it's Iowa lost a they lost a legend, man. He's a legend. I, I, and I just want to say Iowa State fans, Nebraska fans, Minnesota fans, was like ton of people um on Twitter, a couple people texting me, hey, sorry to hear about Hayden Fry. What a legend. Sometimes some guys transcend rivalries and ill feelings. Like sure. I've seen almost nothing but respect oh, no. from Absolutely. the college football world. So that's been awesome to see. The whole you know, last four or five days have been cathartic. Um, you know, it's just he he completely he just completely changed the whole state. I mean, well, yeah, Iowa and Iowa State were just awful. Yeah, when he took over, and Iowa State continued to be awful for years after that. But you could make a point. To, I mean, there's just a, a local economy. You know, of around uh, Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, and then those areas just would not be the same, you know, sure. and, 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 you know, and it, I think it changed the big 10. I mean, he brought, a- well, he definitely did. I mean, you think about the, the big two winning for whatever, 13, 15 years in a row. And then I was the team that broke that streak. And then I think that maybe opened the door for someone like Illinois 100%. to win in 1983. Yeah. One of the, uh, Iowa podcasts I was listening to today said the exact same thing. The first two teams that they talked about that it opened it up for were Illinois. And I think Michigan state, you know, sure. found success. Yep. Indiana got better. That yeah, led to, true. that led to Wisconsin getting better. I mean, and, and a lot of it came to, um, I mean, that was, I know it's probably really hard for people, uh, that have a memory pre Kirk Ferentz, but Hayden Fry's style of offense was, it was throwing the ball all over the place. I yeah, mean, he was pretty. He was cutting edge. Yeah, as far as offenses like that, I mean, Joe Tiller should. And Purdue is another team we should bring up yeah. there too. Uh, Joe Tiller should, you know, get credit for they they brought the basketball and grass thing to an even higher degree. But but that Hayden Fry and the passing offense is what got the Big Ten out of the ten yards in a closet. Well, and, era. and that's exactly so. Uh, Illinois then copy that i mean that illinois those those early 80s illinois teams were th- those were some of the best po- passing offenses college football had seen up to that point yeah that's probably enough um i really appreciate kurt letting me uh when we sat down and said i got a favor to ask can we have an extended period about talking about hayden and put it on the end you were very cordial and said it's a great idea so i appreciate yeah that if you are a uh um, eyes on big listener especially if you're a Eyes on big non-Iowa fan listener. If you listen to the whole segment, I I very much appreciate that. Yep, R.A.P. 
Yes. Love, uh, so I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I'm Big Kirk. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.